0: Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer, and I'm the Worship Arts Pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon, and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy.
1: Well, it's really exciting to be with everyone here at Cochrane Alliance. This is like coming home uh, for Mark and I. We are a part of this church uh, for about three years before we went overseas, and uh, it's it's wonderful to see familiar faces and new faces and to um, continue to partner with you. Uh, We see you as part of our family, and it's really a privilege to be with you today. you can see up on the screen a photo of our family, which is expanding. <laughs> um, so our kids and their spouses are in the background there. And that was taken uh, last summer, I believe. And then there's two additions added in there. We have two grandchildren now, which is uh greatest blessing of all. Um, Some of you know that and some of you are not there yet, but um, our hearts are full with that expansion of family and we're full of gratitude for that. Um, I want to bring you a word of scripture today. And as we do that, um, I just ask you to quiet your hearts and ask God what he might want to speak to you today through his word. Uh, The worship today has already led us into the awareness of his presence, his goodness, his love, his sacrifice. And uh, after I share the word with you, Mark will come and share some stories that reflect some of those areas where we can give God gratitude. We could see sacrifice. We can see um, the worship of God in those stories and continue to look to him um, to give us direction. So let's read from uh, John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover... Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this anointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself. what was put into it. Jesus said leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial for the poor you always have with you but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there they came not only on account of him but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. As we look at this scripture, I just want to invite you to consider the scene. Um, There's some history leading up to this event, and there's also the anticipation. So it's six days before Passover, and Christ knows that he has um, the crucifixion ahead of him, that he's about to completely lay down his life to bring life abundant, total sacrifice and forgiveness for our sins. And uh, the disciples were there, Lazarus was there. Lazarus, whom Jesus had already raised from the dead as a prophecy to his resurrection to come and the resurrection that he's promised to us. Martha was there. And I love that it says in this passage uh, Martha was there serving. Previously, Jesus had scolded Martha about her busyness and her anxiety about getting so much time, so much done. But in this passage, it seems like she just settled into that gift of serving that Jesus has given her. Lazarus is there reclining with Jesus, um, I imagine, with a heart full of praise and worship and acknowledgement of the great gift he'd received All of these people had spent time with Jesus and been impacted by him in one way or another. Mary was there. Mary had practiced sitting at the feet of Jesus and I wonder if she knew what was coming or if she just simply responded out of that heart of worship and gratitude to Jesus. And she poured out an expensive gift As she poured out that expensive gift, she was expressing worship and gratitude. There was also the sense of prophecy, whether she understood it or not, that this was the anticipation of preparation for Jesus' burial. She was generous, a generosity of spirit. I imagine that this crowd that gathered together might have felt kind of like a Thanksgiving dinner of a close family. These were the people that knew Jesus well, and they'd all experienced his love and his grace and delighted in being with him. In some of the parallel scriptures, it says that Simon the leper was there. He'd also been touched by Jesus. So, there's all these individuals' experiences, and yet the crowd, and also there were others who were in opposition to Christ. We see that with Judas being there. We also see that in those who were around plotting to take Lazarus' death and also to arrest Jesus. So, my challenge to us today is what is our response to Jesus? We've experienced him in our lives. We've experienced his love and his grace. And to simply reach out and, in faith, respond in gratitude, in worship, sacrifice. Mary made a sacrifice. She also worshiped and she expressed gratitude. She was generous. What is God calling us to do right now in our lives as we consider his death and his resurrection in this season especially? Sometimes we practice Lent, giving up something, and maybe there is something that God is asking you to lay down. But maybe he's just calling you to be generous What does it mean in this season to be generous? And I know that Cochrane Alliance is a generous and missional church. You're missional here in your hometown and also further beyond that. So what is Christ calling you to now as your act of worship? Later in uh, chapter 12, um, a scribe asks Jesus what the greatest commandments are. And um, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And the scribe's response is, yes, that's right. And then he also says, doing these things is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So when you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing so much more than just sacrifice. And Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've invited us into your kingdom. And we are gratitude. We are grateful. We give you our praise and our worship today, and we ask that you would help us to do this in increasing measure, really understanding all that you have done for us and the hope that we have for the resurrection to come in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. I'm snuck in behind you. It really is exciting to be here. Kind of driving in this morning, it's like, man, we get to be in Concord again. It really is so exciting. And uh, it's because I think being old now, and Mike referenced just how old we are, having been back here in 89 and met Brent coming in this morning, and it's like, yeah, I wasn't born when you uh, joined Concord Alliance here, okay, oh, yes, old. But one of the benefits of being old is to see God's faithfulness and to have watched God's faithfulness to you as a local body of believers here in Cochrane and the things that he has called you to and watching you be faithful to those things locally, whether it's the Cochrane uh, the Pric- uh, Pric- Pregnancy Crisis Centre or other things or it's us or it's the Zoobs who are out or others who you have sent out from here and you've been faithful in that. So I wanted to share a few things and uh, starting a little later than I thought, so I got, you know, you brought a snack so that you can just kind of listen through lunch here. No, I will uh, try and end us in time here. Quick slide on there just to remind you where we are. We're in Asia, that circle there. There's about 55% of the world's population lives in there, and that's the, uh, our focus. The other thing I want to do is situate you in the world in relation to the Alliance. We are a local body of believers here at Cochrane Alliance. We're part of a larger denomination called the Alliance Canada or the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is a part of a global movement that follows God. Called, and we call ourselves collectively the Alliance World Fellowship. And recently I was a set of meetings that brought leaders from around the world in Ecuador back in October. And they showed a slide that showed all the different countries in the world that the Alliance churches is sending from. So, as you consider your faithfulness here and where you fit, I wanted to show this just to remind you hey, we're part of what God is doing around the world. And it's not up to us, it's up to God. And God is moving people from everywhere to everywhere. So, let's just watch this one together. So, from everywhere to everywhere. This is not our work, it's not just the work of Cochrane Alliance, but really, it's God's work. And He's inviting us from all over the world to be a part of it. And as we sang earlier, I've decided to follow Jesus. It's why we go, because lots of people don't even know that's an option. They've never heard of Jesus. And so we don't go to kind of change the culture of them. We don't go to try and change the way they do things on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we go to have an impact for the gospel. And sometimes that means doing projects that help their day-to-day lives and other t- and, and in the midst of that, get, being able to share who Jesus is and give them a chance to follow. Well, one of the things that Alliance World Fellowship did was uh, to get involved in responding globally to the COVID crisis. And here in Canada, it feels like, you know, maybe we're leaning out of that a little bit and we're calling it an endemic in places rather than a pandemic. Uh, But it's been really difficult for the church globally to do that. And so our relief and development team was already meeting, but talking more theoretically about what could be done, moved into action. Started sending out uh, and partnering with churches to do hand sanitizers, food projects, uh ppe equipment uh and and the like and across the world uh particularly south america africa and some places in asia the response was really dramatic and here's the picture of a family and i won't uh, read her story because i want to get to a few other things as well but the basics of her story is that she didn't know jesus at all came in touch with the church was looking for work because she had been let go because of covid didn't have the opportunity she was thinking of suicide Church reached out, gave her some part-time work, gave her enough, not part-time work, gave her some help with her rent, gave her uh, some food, made it through that difficult time. And she's decided to follow Jesus along with her two young kids there. And that's just one story in the midst of many of how we've been involved uh, to give some relief uh, in the midst of COVID and also be able to share Jesus. Let me take you to Malaysia And tell you a few stories from here because you're pretty connected to the Malaysian story. You've had Bob and Karen serve here part-time as pastors. You're familiar with some of the other team that's there, Paul and Chantel McIver, I believe. We've just got a new intern there. Her name is Kat. And uh, Bob and Karen went and they were part of Penang International Church. Quite a transient church being international. It's been fairly difficult in COVID years. Less people are there now. But Bob and Karen have felt a call to let that ministry, uh, to move away from that ministry. Stay there, focused in Penang, and lead our Rohingya-focused team. But would you pray for Penang International Church? And I'm actually going to list a lot of prayer requests as I go today. So if you've got a pen and paper, there's probably more than you can remember uh, to pray for as we go. But pray for whoever God has next. We've actually got a meeting this week with someone who might be interested in stepping into that role. Would you pray that God would guide that family and us as we discern what would be right next for Penang International Church. But as Penang International Church went there, you know that Bob's uh, helped to start the Nation's Learning Center, reaching out to the Rohingya, who are coming from uh, Myanmar through Bangladesh or other countries, ending up as undocumented migrants in Malaysia, in Penang in particular, where they are, and reaching out in different ways uh, to help them. And so I wanna tell you a few things that's going on in relation to that community. And the first one I actually wanna read from one of our workers, that she wrote in the midst of the COVID crisis, but there's things that are coming out of this work. So I just wanna share this story that uh, Chantel wrote up for us. They came early, eager to see if their names were on the list, eager to see that the food has arrived. They lined up. They line up and take a handful of sanitizer, pass their UNHCR card over the desk for us to to. V- so that's their re- refugee status card receive a small cash allowance for emergency needs. Then they move to the next station and pick up their bag of food filled with many things like rice, oil, dried noodles, dried chilies, sugar, and more. For most average sized families, this will be enough to last for, excuse me, for a week. In other places, we show up to hundreds of refugees in, the, in living in shipping containers on construction sites. Their living conditions are horrendous and site security won't let them leave to get food or pay them while things are shut down for COVID. We distribute large sacks of food and watch as they subdivide themselves into groups and each take their share back to their shipping containers. Another brief glimpse into how difficult their lives are and how hunger is just one of the gnawing issues they face these days. One of the young men said how much it warmed his heart to know that he was not forgotten and that people were thinking of him, that God had seen him. Inevitably, there are always more people than we have supplies for that day. They're all out of work, and they're all needy. But each week, we manage to add more names to the list. Inevitably, every day, more people send our team messages with more names, more hard stories, more pictures of struggling families. But God is always faithful in that each week, more resources show up, more people hear and give, and we can add more names to the community on the list. Starting out with supporting 36 families. Uh, Originally, they ended up supporting over 600 a week, people per week. The need at that time continued to grow. Right now it's a little bit better, but so does our strength and our support. It's a different kind of front lines work. We go out with masks, sanitizers, and prayers to cover us and the people we meet. We see their desperation. We hear their stories of their families having no more food, no more money to buy food. As we reflect and pray, we recognize that we do not want to live with fear while others suffer nor do we want to live governed by the need for self-protection. In, this, in his infinite wisdom, God has placed us here uniquely for such a time as this, and he is faithful. We trust when the emergency is over that the relationships that have been built will continue forward and glorify the ones who sends us out each day. And that's what's happening. And the next story you might have heard Uh, and I'll try and summarize it briefly so you can hear more stories rather than less today. Uh, A young woman who they were in contact through this time, they would got to know her. You might have heard her earlier on. She'd been having Caesars. Uh, She'd uh, asked for prayer. That went across across a number of uh, places in Canada. She stabilized and was doing much better. Backing up in her store a little bit, as a part of her being uh, trafficked into Malaysia, Uh, During that time, apparently, uh, she was uh, betrothed to be wed to someone who was in Malaysia already, an undocumented migrant. But the traffickers then sold her to someone else who expected her to be his wife when he came, organized a kidnapping of this young woman using fake documents and couldn't find where this woman was. And so a prayer call went out. Many of you may have been part of praying for this young woman. After one week, she was located. Uh, safely brought back uh, and kept in a safe house, uh, reunited with the man that she was supposed to marry. Don't know how all the other things worked out, but turns out they definitely needed to be relocated, and so they have been relocated. Really hard situation, but my request would be for you to pray for her. She's experienced God's saving grace in one way, Uh, rescuing her from being kidnapped in that situation. She was just 17 while all of this was happening uh, in her traffic situation originally. Uh, But would you pray specifically that God would bring other people to her in her new location that could continue to tell her uh, of what God has done for her and that she could respond to Jesus by following him? And then just actually quite a humorous in one sense, story. Bob's talking to me on a call the other day, last week. He says, Mark, have you got some advice for me? I'm like, I can try. Uh, he says, there's a young man who's come here, undocumented worker. He's decided to follow Jesus. He's been here for a little while. There's a woman being moved from Bangladesh here to be his wife. Uh, and he he said, he texted me, he said, she's a flower of Jesus. And he thought, he thought okay, a little bit of a mistype there. She's a follower of Jesus also. And uh, so... He says to Bob, I want you to marry us at the Nation's Learning Center. And so Bob said, "Uh, any advice on how to do that with a Rohingya couple in a country where they have no legal status? Anything I should be careful of or how to do that? And I said, I got nothing for you. (laughs) Um, Would you pray for Bob as he navigates a unique situation? Because the witness impact of this in the community for those that have known this man as a Muslim man who's now following Jesus and a young bride to have a ceremony that's not legal in any sense <laughs> in terms of Malaysia uh, but wanting to make a statement of faith that we're going to be married we're going to follow Jesus and we want others to know Jesus and that's why we're going to do this publicly so would you pray for them as they do that. Moving up to the north part of our area, I'll just call it a big country. There's a people we refer to as the Mint people. Uh, in that country, there's uh, over 11 million people in there and approximately 40 known believers within that people group. Uh, I believe I've shown you slides in the past. There's a few from one of my trips up there. Uh, one of the young people I met, he served as a tour guide up K2, and he was a follower of Jesus. He said, it's just so hard. There's just not a community to keep me accountable, to keep growing alongside of, to have these dialogues about faith, would you pray? And so since that day till now, I pray for the young, young man. I haven't able to na- been able to keep contact with him. But would you pray for people like him? And the woman that we met who was holding a Bible study, but the government shut her down and said, you can't do that. Uh, and she was in fear for her safety at that point. Um would you pray for people like that who are trying to reach out? We've had a team on the ground for many years. Uh, During COVID, the last of our people had to leave the country. Our, Our last couple that were there were brought in by the police, interrogated for 16 hours about what they did, why they did it. They shared quite openly, well, of course, yeah, we follow Jesus. And of course, we want people to be able to hear about Jesus and follow him. We're teaching English, and we want people to know English as well. And we do that in Combination with one another, and they didn't try and hide or try and say, you know, make it look like they were being duplicitous in terms of what they did, what they had come to do. Police let them go, uh, knowing that they had a plan to come back here to Canada for at least a year. They're back in Canada, and we're looking for what might be next because that location, probably a difficult location to send them back to. But this is a people group that has hardly any people around the world that no one followed Jesus yet. We now have a team, one of the other couples that was there uh, in person, now lives in another city in Asia and they're focused on reaching those people through digital means, digital strategies. So they've got uh, what they call a Word app. It's the Bible as an app that is able to get in there, there's some YouTube videos that people from that group can have access to and some exciting things are happening because while they can't be there in person, there are still ways to engage these people with the gospel. And let me sh- share a real short little one uh, from just over a year ago. Uh, a colleague met uh, Ablamet, a mint man living in, the Euro- in a European country. Uh, he's a part of the mint diaspora community. He was able to sh- share the gospel with Ablamet and introduced him to the mint word through our website and app. One feature built into the word reading site is the ability to highlight and send links of specific chapters and verses. Over the course of the past year, that small technical detail was a great help in that long distance conversation. Allowing the colleague to direct Ablamet to specific passages for study later. Ablamet discovered the YouTube channel where he was able to watch a number of videos on the word, on the Bible. Through reading and listening to the material on the app and the website and the YouTube channel, Ablamet found satisfying answers to his questions and recently made a profession of faith in the son. He's currently planning to follow this decision with baptism in the country where he is a refugee. Would you continue to pray for people like Ablamet and people that are out of the country, but also those that are in the country who are under persecution for a number of reasons, and again, over 11 million people with so few people that know Jesus yet. Uh, I'm just about out of time here. Let me... uh, jump to Indonesia and ask you to pray for them. Uh, We've talked a little bit about the long-term commitment uh, it takes to be a part of seeing people hear about Jesus and follow Jesus. Well, our team, one of our teams in Indonesia has been uh, reaching out to people, we'll just call them the, the S people. Very, very few people responding to the gospel over well over a decade. Well, in the last year, a man named Elliot came in touch with one of our uh, staff workers. They've been involved in a project that includes things like disaster response, handicraft projects, uh, sports ministries, English as a second language, uh, through conversation, met and started to follow Jesus. Well, he was pretty excited about this. So I don't know if you remember that shampoo commercial, and she told two friends and so on and so on and so on. Well, it's kind of that kind of story. And he told a man who is a religious leader in his community, who decided to follow Jesus and be, be baptized. And then this relig- religious leader says, Man, this is exciting. Our team started to get worried. It's like, Oh, we're going to receive some persecution from the government pretty quick here with this starting to happen. He goes a couple of hours to the town that he grew up in. And rather than receiving pushback, more people decided, We're going to follow Jesus and be baptized. And this is building in a way, and when I say the numbers, it'll sound small to you, but after well over a decade of so little movement, in the last six months, there have been six people that have been baptized after falling to Jesus and four more that have decided, uh, that have asked for a copy of the New Testament to read. So would you pray for that community, in, in that number of communities, but that S people group in Indonesia that uh, they would hear about who Jesus is and he would make sense and they would decide to follow Jesus in their context and tell other people about that. So what's next? We got over 55% of the population in Asia, but there's a lot of other people around the world and the Alliance is definitely not the be all and the end all. And we've got other people that we partner with doing that locally, but here we are an Alliance church and what's our part in that? What's your part in that? We need people to continue to be involved for the long haul. Will you keep praying as you've been praying for decades? Will you keep giving, please, as you've been doing for decades? But can I also challenge you uh, this morning, will you consider going? God called me to serve overseas at about 15 years old. Uh, He confirmed where and doing what while I was here in Cochrane and we got commissioned in a spot probably in the old congregation that was just over there. But maybe you're a teenager and you're thinking about what career path I want to go. Would you ask what God might have to say about that career path and how you might use that career path uh, to reach people here and potentially internationally? Maybe you're near in retirement and you're going, okay, that time's done in God. While it's unusual We've sent people over 60 years old to difficult places where they have managed to have significant impact for the gospel. So rather than maybe what you were planning, would you ask God how he would have you engage in those retirement years? Because there could well be a place for you to do that internationally. Maybe you're even younger. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. But would you think about how God might have you engage uh, Maybe it's to take some digital skills that you already have and engage in ways to reach these people in places where we can't go. That story I told you about the man in Europe who came to faith, one of the people involved in that digitally, lived in Calgary, uh, had a digitally oriented job right here in Cochrane, now serves in Asia doing this. Maybe there's another one of you in here and God is calling you to that. Maybe you can take What you already do, you're an engineer, you're a teacher, you're a doctor, and take that and serve internationally and be a part of one of our teams making Jesus known in those places. Maybe it's relief, development, getting communities of faith started. Uh, We are in this together, and, you know, there's a scripture, maybe if we go to the very last slide there, Galatians 6, 9, this is what I want to encourage you with this morning, Uh, Let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at the kind of tail end of COVID, we can feel pretty tired. At just the right time, we are going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So don't give up. Keep at it with us. Thank you once again for your partnership in the gospel. We so appreciate you. Amen.